0: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills.
1: There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at
0: meta.com/slash metaverse impact. Hey folks, uh Rob here. So It dawned on us that we might not be making it the easiest for folks to track what we're doing on the $10 foundation tier feed uh, if they mostly follow along with the public or ad-free feeds. So we thought we would share some of that work we're doing so people would get a sense of uh, what we're up to over over at that tier. So we're all pretty huge fans of The Bear. We loved season one, and we were planning on covering season two when it came out, and now it seems like we might end up doing a few shows on that second season. By the way, if you don't know what The Bear is, you a lot of you probably already know this, but in case you don't, The Bear is a show about a decorated Michelin starred chef, uh, Carmine Berzato, who returns to Chicago to take over his family's struggling restaurant in the wake of a family tragedy. He is joined by an ambitious uh, chef named Sidney, who wants his mentorship and collaboration, and together they face opposition from much of the entrenched staff of the working class joint they have inherited led by Carmi's recalcitrant uh, recalcitrant family friend, Richie, and uh, their shit-kicking line cook, Tina. We knew we wanted to cover the second season, but we decided to set those conversations against the context of the first season and our reactions to it with an episode we recorded a few weeks ago now. I have to say, going back to it, I'm pretty pleased with how many of the conflicts and concerns we identified at the end of the first season ended up being real focal points of the second. And I think this conversation holds up pretty well now that I've seen about half of the second season so far. If you dig this, we just released our next episode on the foundation tier where we get into the first two episodes of this new second season of the bear. And we might do another episode or two once we're back from our holidays Anyway, if, if you don't subscribe to that level, you can go to RemapRadio.com and follow the links there to either sign up uh, to support the podcast at the $10 a month level, or if you are already a supporter, you can upgrade your existing subscription. There's li- there's links pointing you uh, in the correct place, depending on on what your situation is. I promise we'll try not to clog these feeds with tons of teaser stuff uh, for, for things you've elected not to subscribe to. I personally don't really like it when my a podcast feed is, is filled with that stuff, but when we are doing something new or we have something we're excited about, we're going to try and share a bit of that work here so people can get an idea of what we're up to and what they might be missing and how they can get in on it. With that, I'll let you get into this segment where we discuss Carmi's shortcomings as leader and the reasons why everyone in this show starts from such a place of defensiveness. I think for me, one of the things that jumps out at this uh, jumps out at me about this series is that this is a show that very much lets people be their worst and messiest selves and trust that we will get over it. Cause there is a lot of people being absolutely horrible to each other. And part of that is in a lot of ways, Carmi is a really frustrating and disappointing protagonist for a lot of this series, right? Like when, uh, Uh, Ayo Etabiri's Sydney shows up. It is clear that she has been drawn. She wants to work with Carmi. That is clear. There's hero worship here. This is like, you know, Thomas Keller showing up at your local hot dog stand. (laughs) And you have a chance to go work at a hot dog stand with with Thomas Keller. So why are you here? (laughs) It's like a great
2: exchange between the two of them uh, where he is asking that of her. And then pauses a beat and goes, can I ask you a question? He's like, sure, because he thinks she's going to ask about the workings of the restaurant. He's like, no. Why are you here?
0: (laughs) But the other thing that happens right out of the gate is Sydney is really ambitious and also has a lot of that. I'm a young genius and I know tons like I've taken a look at your business and then 30 seconds I figured out a bunch of ways I can instantly improve it and revolutionize it. She's not broken yet, right? Like, she, her, she is, <laughs> at, like, at, she, in many ways, it seems, you know, she's at that
2: point where he was, you know, like, on that ascended path to being, you know, one of the best young chefs in in, in America or whatever. And so, to have them cross at this particular intersection, in what, this particular place, is such a fun, volatile mix of ego and ambition.
0: But isn't she a little broken? Because she had a dream catering company that she, like drove right into the ground basically because she didn't, she thought she, she knew she, she could succeed at building a successful catering company, but she couldn't actually afford to run one is kind of thing we learn, right? That uh, they get in, they become too popular for their own good out of the gate and then can't fulfill all the business that they're being asked to fulfill. But she overstocks on everything as if it's going to keep on at this pace forever and immediately destroys the cash flow and the business collapses. So like there is a bit of I don't think she's broken in that Carmi is a burnout from the world about cuisine. Mm. Like we get that in this in the literal second episode of this. We we get one of the most Joel McHale has like 30 <laughs> yes. seconds of screen time in this series. And it's like one of the most impactful 30 seconds God. of screen time in his career where we get the vision of it's not even clear to, to what degree is this real or is mm-hmm. this just Carmi's like traumatized like yes. impression of what it was like? The stark white. I love this whole sequence of the second episode. The editing and photography in this series is so good. Yeah. That second episode, we view his time in New York at the at the pinnacle of the restaurant world through a series of like images of like lovingly beautiful plates of, of, of food, but they are photographed like crime scene photos. <laughs> and a moment later, we also get like literal crime scene photos of the state of the beef in the present day yeah. and the way it is a restaurant falling into disrepair. But Joel McHale is this like looming toxic genius chef figure in the background who rules through terror yeah, and appears to have just, abused and berated Carmy throughout his time and this is what Carmy's really running from to an extent is he made it to the very top of like oak cuisine and was shattered by it he discovers that it's it's not worth the cost and so like that is the way he is broken i think sydney still wants to go there but she's kind of broken by the experience of having fucked up her business that badly
1: yeah uh, I love the priming that this show does to make things that could seem like flashback or memory in, um, in other shows feel dreamlike, feel like surreal. And they really are able to push that a lot just by the opening m- moments of the first episode, right? Like the this bear on a random bridge in in chicago right i believe it's an actual like n- not notable it is. but known well, it's, the bridge bridge. Where, it's the
0: bridge where michael killed himself and yeah it's a, right it's one of the major bridges in downtown chicago
1: right and like from that moment on just the way that they're able to push and pull on reality dreams and like memory is re- is really really strong and really kind of ties into a lot of the like um you know um uh, emotional heft of of a lot of these episodes, and I, I do love this in this in this one. The like like you were mentioning before, the contrast between this sort of stark cleanness that looks almost like you know it's it's a little too clean. It's like a, a killer. Well, looks like it looks like, it looks like the
0: autopsy room where Michael <laughs> was taken.
1: Right, exactly. And versus like the 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 kind of grunginess of the of of the the beef. Um, and like, yeah, I, I, I the, the cinematography across this entire show is just spectacular.
0: Yeah, I think mean, the photography and editing are always just so mm-hmm. perfectly on point in this. But yeah, like it's. Sydney sort of comes in and, and puts her hand up and the thing that's so frustrating about Carmi is we, we spend easily half the series Watching him fail to be there for people that are kind of depending on him. Right. Like, I, yeah. I think he has our sympathy in a lot of ways, but he leaves, he leaves Sydney to the fucking wolves, right? He's already having trouble with his kitchen staff. Mm-hmm. And when she comes in, he sa- he basically says, you're going to be my deputy. You are going to run this kitchen with this group of people who, who hate me and have <laughs> basically not responded to any changes I'm trying to put through. Yeah. Now you were the face of those changes. Good luck. And then walks and then bounces completely to let her to let her hold that. That's the specific
1: that's like a big marker of how of how Carmi was broken in the upper echelons. Because that that scene we see with Joe McHale is him early on, but he makes it through to being like head chef of some of those kitchens after that. Right? He's like Well that's the
0: weird thing. The title card that comes up is New York City one year ago.
1: For that for that specific for that, for that flash, but breath. even then we hear about how the fact like after he, after he does run a kitchen. Yes. So like, this is still, this is still before that. Right. Like, I think it's within that year I mean, that so. he like rises to superstardom and then has his own kitchen. Right. Like, so it, it, It breaks him, like, emotionally. Obviously, it causes trauma, but it doesn't stop him from continuing down that track. The thing that stops him from continuing down that track is the death of his brother. Yeah. And so he's internalized these systems, these fucking oppressive systems of how kitchens are run at that level and how, like, it doesn't matter. Like, you just have to do the thing. The only way this works is if everyone just does what they're told how they're told and doesn't question anything ever, right? And like that's what he, that's what he's pushing on to Sydney.
0: Yeah, and uh, and that is pushed back hard on by one of my favorite performances is uh, Lisa Colón Zayas uh, Tina. <laughs> yeah, who <laughs> is sort of the definition like. She is the the den mother of the beef, but also the most unruly of the bunch. I think even yes. she's an even harder case than Richie in a lot of ways. Because Richie, Richie's a is Richie's a big overgrown child in a lot of ways, who needs right. like a lot of love and reassurance. Tina will mess you up. And yeah. like the the degree to which she immediately starts sabotaging Sydney after sabotaging Carmi, oh. uh, the like the ruthlessness with, with which she defends her turf. Yeah. Is is truly and again, it is not likable. It is not like oh man, there goes Tina. Tina's a huge fucking asshole for a huge portion of the series, but the the show is so like empathetic in terms of how much of that is also driven by Tina's insecurity Mm -hmm. about can like she's scared of trying to hang at this level, even though she kind of is intrigued by the results that are possible if you if you cook at that level. But then Also, at the same time, there is the she doesn't want to be chased out of her own professional home. She doesn't want to become, you know she she's an old line cook, and if this turns into a high end restaurant that's being led by you know young, uh, you know culinary institute trained people like Sydney, where does she sit in this? And so there is this like deep insecurity and fear that is animating. All the passive aggression we get, including, and I love this, the very selective understanding of English and then Spanish, uh, depending, <laughs> on, depending on uh, context, Yeah, you know, when it when it comes time to refuse to comply.
2: Well, it's, and I think a lot of that is tied into like one of the show's main themes is process as tradition tradition as process what is the relationship between those things because i think so much of the the arc of the of the series is about what is this place who does it represent what is it who is it for and those relationships are really scattered and and hyper personal to begin with where you know even as something as simple as you know uh wanting to use a different pot is seen as sacrilege and like that's mine that it's just it's just a fucking pot, you know, and you, you get this between, cause I'm like everyone has their turf, and their for, by their definition that turf may be their role in terms of their career, the arc, the like uh, of their lives. But it's also like this is how we've done it. Why would we do it any differently? Mm-hmm. Sure, maybe the place is running into the ground, but we've done it that way. We don't have to. If if this goes into the ground, it's because the world around us failed us, not because the process failed us, and because. You know, they have the family, like, lunch before they – I mean, like, there is a – like, the messy, toxic dynamics that define all families and, like, how traditions can themselves be toxic if not uh, analyzed and, and unpacked I think is a huge part of, I think, what makes the show so incredibly special is because it doesn't separate the food from the family. And yeah. I think if you've ever been, you know, grown up – everyone grows up on certain types of foods. They may not be fam- – I grew up in the Midwest. Like – my mom made three things really well, and she did them awesome. I love her chicken parmesan or chicken pot pie, but like she's self admitted can't make very much, right? Like, and so that's kind of why we got a lot of the same stuff over and over if we weren't eating out because uh, it was a special occasion. And so you grow that attachment. There's a process to it, and that's why recipes are handed down. And like this restaurant is our giant recipe, um, and a bunch of people are caught up in it.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's another thing that comes through is. At the start, everyone is very defensive of we have our way of doing things and that was good enough. And what Carmi is coming in here saying is there are better, th- the <laughs> better, a better restaurant is possible, right? Mm-hmm. A better way of doing things is possible. And a lot of it seems really forced and stilted, like calling everyone chef, you know, at, at every turn, uh, making uh, making a point of calling out like corner when you're moving through the the tight confines of the of the kitchen, but the other thing that he is – he is at pains to point out is the restaurant was being operated at a level where it was – the water line was always at its neck, right? You know, this centers on mm-hmm. the why Why did you cut spaghetti from the menu? Spaghetti was a big seller and he tries to explain it took seven hours. It wasn't a good dish but also the real killer is it was such a huge time sink in the kitchen that like even though it was profitable – in some ways, it was also killing the restaurant, just having that on the menu. And so he needs to he needs to rationalize the menu. He needs to he needs to kill it. And the funny thing is, all of these folks are saying you were coming into this and, and telling us our family was broken. And it was <laughs> <laughs> this is like one of my favorite sequences later is. As Sydney and, Rip, and Sydney and Carmi. Begin to win over the restaurant and begin to convince people like we you know, to actually buy into the system. Richie ends up being kind of the odd man out that he doesn't he doesn't want to have to grow in that way. He still, you know, and he's also the most grief stricken about Michael. You know, you, that was his yeah. that was his best friend. He was sort of co-piloting this thing. As it went crashing toward the ground. But there's this great sequence be- between him and Tina, and they have been like partners in crime through this whole series, sabotaging Carmi, sabot- <laughs> sabotaging Sydney. And Richie is like stepped far out of line in this episode. And he goes to Tina for support. And Tina turns on him and gives him the like, we're doing the best work of our careers. And I don't want to work in a place that's shitty anymore. <laughs> And it is such a it is such a great Uh, moment because it was like Tina's bought in. And also it's the last it's the last like pillar of support that Richie can feel for protecting his place in this restaurant and and the old identity of how the restaurant and it just gives way all at once because like the hardest core and least reformable line cook in the place is like, actually, this is better. Yeah, like I want to live like this.